Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Kindness goes a long way, doesn't it? And there are many little sayings that exemplify that. But the clip that follows really does a great, very thorough treatment on the subject. All right, now I want you to see tonight in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So he said, Be ye kind and tender-hearted one to another. One of the things that's on the Lord's heart is to raise up a people that will learn how to be tender-hearted. I believe that being kind and tender-hearted is the best and most unusual manifestation of Jesus Christ that can hit a sin-sick world which is despicable in its negative alienation from God. Last night, it was Friday night, it was Friday night, we were up in uh, Gardner and performed a marriage with Kathy and George. These two kids have been coming to church here for some time and by the way, for those folks that attended, you know that some of their parents broke down because the corporate body came? Some of their parents, unsaved parents, broke down because some of you attended that wedding. I'm a great believer in what I call the Lord's witness. Now when somebody's getting married, it's the Lord's witness for believers to go. It's the Lord's witness. And everything is the Lord's ministry. Well anyway, they, they, little Kathy came down the aisle and she's been coming here to church dressed in white, pure, clean, a virgin under Jesus Christ. And she came walking down the aisle. And I never know what I'm going to say in a marriage vow. It's always spontaneous. In a marriage ceremony, I never know and uh, I always ask God to give me something different than I've ever said before in a marriage. And then I ask him to have the marriage be different than there's ever been one before. It's sort of a, a double-headed prayer request. Lord, <laughs> give me something new tonight to say in a ceremony, and then give this couple something that no other couple has ever had. And then I say, in Jesus' name, for mercy, amen. So, uh, we were getting ready, and I don't know now what the vows were. That's over now. That's the that's gone forever, as far as the vows went. But they went something like this. They they were different. Uh, by God's grace, I will be to you a true, loving wife, filled with the Holy Spirit, obedient to the Word of God, honoring Jesus, and and on and on. And she looked right in his eyes, and man, did she give him the eyes? Boy, she really told him. She said she was tears were running down her cheeks, but she was very well composed. But tears were running down. And she said, I will be to you in Jesus' name, a true and loving and faithful wife. And the folks that were there were catching it. There was a magnetic field all over that little Methodist church up there in Gardner. And the Holy Spirit was really moving. So I said, to, I said, now, George, you repeat after me. And he looked like he owned her. And he said, oh, he said, by the grace of God, he said, I'll be a, your spiritual head. I'll initiate love. I'll initiate grace. I'll initiate power and wisdom directly from God. He said, by God's grace, I'll do this, Kathy. I'll do this forever in Jesus' name. And she squeezed his hand and he squeezed her hand and they were really in love. And, uh, but you know, that, that was beautiful because they had a tender heart toward one another. You know what I said to him? I said, keep your tender heart toward one another. Don't lose your tender heart. Don't lose it. Let Jesus Christ Maintain in you a tender heart, because they were very tender. Notice our text tonight. Be ye kind one to another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Do you realize tonight, people do not need our criticisms, but they need our kindness, they need our courtesy, and they need our love. And there's one thing a corporate body like this can do first to one another, is to be kind to one another is to be extremely kind. Just go out of your way to be kind to one another. It's beautiful to be kind. I saw a fellow down in, in Portland recently. A fellow ran into this guy and ran him over and knocked him a little ways. And the guy that he hit came back and said, I'm awful sorry I was in the way. And I said, that's beautiful. He must be a Christian. And he, he apologized for being hit. He apologized for being hit. And uh, that was beautiful. Who was it that was telling us that somebody ran into their car? Yeah, I know now. Somebody on our trip to Cape Cod, Carlton. And uh, he was going, he went to a camp meeting up here in Richmond and uh, last summer. And uh, somebody ran into their car. The, it was a preacher, I think. The preacher was all excited. And I guess he was going to blame Carlton for even having the car in the rightful place to park. Anyway, he was all excited, nervous, frustrated. And Calvin smiled and said, that's all right. And several people come up and said, how can you be that car? Well, he said, that's only a car. It's just a car. So it's got dents in it now. But it's your car. And, and it's been run into. And you're not nervous. You're not reacting at all. You're just, you're not even, it's like it doesn't mean a thing to you. And he said, it doesn't. It doesn't mean a thing. And that pastor, or, or at least one of the Christians around, almost completely had a fainting spell because he had such serenity and kindness. But you see, it didn't cost him a thing to be kind. Just the privilege of letting Jesus Christ be his portion and sharing his portion of Christ. Now, his portion of Christ was kindness, was kindness, and it's beautiful. You know, I've been mentioning a little bit about it in the last three weeks, where I like to see Christianity begin in the home. And the kindness of sharing God's portion of kindness should begin every morning when you get up in the hole. Instead of yawning, or yawn, it's all right to yawn, but instead of being tired and cross and quick-tempered, show kindness. That's the Lord's portion. You show the Lord's portion, which is kindness. And then, as God helps you, everywhere you go that day, just be kind. Oh, listen, Jesus said, be ye kind one to another. Just be plain, gentle, and courteous, and kind. It's something that's needed across America. It's needed in our various phases of society. Just plain kindness. Be ye kind one to another. You know, if I get up and I'm tired and exhausted and weary and uh, nervous for about five minutes, if somebody is kind to me, that really does something. Doesn't it help you? I mean, you're nervous and you're not deliberately, you're not in the flesh, you're just having a few minutes trying to get in the spirit. <laughs> now, understand, when I get that way, I'm never in the flesh. I'm just, it just takes me 10 to 20 minutes to get in the spirit, you know what I mean? You know, there's a time between the flesh and the spirit when you, you, you know, let's call it that, okay, in the original, when you're nothing, you're, you're just... You can't say you're walking by faith, but you won't confess you're walking by sight, you know. You can't say that you've got the love of God, but you're not going to say you haven't. You're not going to say you haven't. You, you really know that you don't have God's power, but let's not confess it. You're right here. Now, in that little transition of sort of entering into Christ, 
Christ's portion so that you can share that portion. It's beautiful when somebody just sweetly and gently is kind. Now, when somebody comes up and says, what's wrong with you today? Oh, boy, <laughs> that's all you need. You want to fight back, and your flesh says, wise guy, smart Alex. You don't say it out loud, but inside you say arrogant. And, you, and the next 50 years, if it wasn't by the grace of God, you'd always remember that cutting, little nagging remark. What's wrong with you today? And, you know, and then you, and the next one you meet, well, something must have happened last night. You don't seem to be happy today. And they begin to share their portion, but not the Lord's portion. You know, if you don't have the Lord's portion, do not share anything. The most beautiful thing in the world is that when we are just plain kind to one another. And that's the Lord's portion. Now, that's one thing you can be is kind. One of the things that many people have said about our church is the kindness of it, the love of it. May I say tonight, never lose that. That's a quality that is unique. Don't ever lose the kindness. And whatever you do when you walk in this building, be kind to everyone you see. And be kind on purpose. Predetermined to be kind to everybody. I, I, I like to think of it like this, and it's been said by many people, but every single person I meet is having a hard time, and they could use my kindness. Somebody everywhere is going through trials. Hidden, some more intense than others, but there's one thing I can do is be kind to them. So be kind to one another. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, precious verse. And then tender-hearted. This means in the, in the original Greek, soft and sensitive to other people's hearts because yours is so tender. I'll repeat it again. Soft and sensitive to other people's hearts because yours is so tender. God says, be ye kind and then be tender-hearted. May your heart be sensitive to their heart's need, so tender that it's sensitive to them. So be tender-hearted. Listen, one of the tremendous things that thrills Jesus Christ is when his people are tender-hearted. When you go out that door, don't just rush out to go home. Even if you have to, look at people. Go out of your way to show kindness. Go out of your way to be tender-hearted to them. If you see somebody that looks down, even if it's only a couple of minutes, shake their hands and share love. Share the Lord's portion of life. Share love. Don't walk out. Don't walk out. Don't be hasty get to get in the car and go home. But share the Lord with them. Share the Lord's kindness. Share the Lord's compassion. Share the Lord's burdens. Share the Lord's concern. You represent Jesus Christ to them. They're having a tough time tonight. So share Jesus with them and go up and just squeeze their hand and say, I don't know you maybe, but I love you tonight. And I, I just love you tonight. I want you to know that God loves you. And if it's no more than that, you share the Lord's portion. You'll never know what that does. You'll never know. Yes, be ye tender-hearted and sensitive to the heart's need. Listen, I think, I think visiting the shut-ins and visiting the nursing homes that some of you are experiencing week after week, and you share with them the Lord's portion, 
and you enter into their heart's need and you just completely forget yourself you forget all about yourself when you minister the Lord's portion the Lord ministers his portion to you and you share the Lord's portion and you completely forget about yourself you're the seed that's been buried and fruit of Christ comes up and as you begin to share the Lord's portion and when when uh, when we went up into the fifth floor and saw that woman down there at the Lafayette Hotel and she said nobody nobody has come to see me nobody's ever come to see me except the, the people that have to deal with the house here nobody and we just said oh we said listen have you ever received Christ and she said I know him I know him as God I don't know if I've been saved she said she listened to the broadcast and she asked if somebody would come to see her and uh, but she wanted kindness and she wanted somebody to love her and she was a shut-in and she wasn't well and she couldn't get out but just to share the Lord's portion with her to forget yourself and completely minister the Lord to her as the Lord ministered Jesus Christ to you through the Holy Spirit you minister to her and what a privilege it was and what a thrill it was to go out knowing that you'd ministered the Lord's portion to somebody that never sees anybody never sees anybody just to minister the Lord's portion how many understand that tonight listen be ye kind one to another tender-hearted tender-hearted Paul in Acts 20 verse 31 said I've wept every single night day and night Paul said I've shed tears day and night he was tender-hearted he was a preacher that would think of Colossae he'd never been there but he'd weep for them he'd think of Ephesus and then he'd be praying for the needs of the church of Ephesus and he'd weep and then he'd be praying for the church at Corinth and their confused state and then Paul would say Jesus oh the church at Corinth is having a tough time would you bless them and come down and straighten them out he began to pray and he said day and night he said I've shed tears day and night he was tender-hearted Jesus wept at Lazarus' grave. He wept uh, on the Mount Jerusalem. Jesus Christ wept at least uh, three times on the mountain. Of course, many other times. But Jesus Christ was tender-hearted. So tender-hearted, He couldn't charge you with what you've done. So tender-hearted, He couldn't make you pay for your guilt. So tender-hearted, He couldn't send you to hell if you'd possibly accept the way out. So tender-hearted, He didn't want you to go through anything. So tender-hearted he wanted to take everything you did so that you could go free. So tender-hearted that if you fail, he'll forgive you and restore you back to life tonight. He's tender-hearted towards you. He loves you. He's kind towards you. He, do you know what? God will never embarrass you. I was thinking when I was in a hotel in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, staying during speaking at the Institute last year, I was thinking the Lord never embarrasses me. The Lord never embarrasses me. I was thinking of mistakes I'd made, but the Lord got me out of it without embarrassment. I was thinking of when I failed, the Lord protected me in just little routine failures because He loved me. He wouldn't embarrass me. I was thinking of how people embarrassed one another with, with caustic remarks and careless remarks, but God will not embarrass you because He's kind. And, and, and every, I was thinking of the time that my heart would melt and I had a need and all of a sudden at two or three in the morning when it looked like there was no more strength, no more power, no more grace available, that all of a sudden when it looked like I'd exhausted every means of God and every means of, of power and every means of human strength, then all of a sudden 
out of, out of God, of course, but seemingly out of nowhere, waves of love and waves of strength would come. And just like a brand new filling at three in the morning after giving myself out for hours, and I would raise my hand and again be revived and totally just by loving Jesus and by having Jesus just come through with shedding abroad his love. He was tender-hearted toward me. He was tender-hearted toward me. Listen, aren't you glad that God is kind and tender-hearted towards you? How many are glad? And then lastly tonight, Paul says, forgive one another. In the original Greek, that means always live in a state of forgiving everyone for everything they do. That's what the Greek says. Now listen to it carefully. Be ye kind, initiate it. Be tender-hearted, be sensitive to every need they have. And then thirdly, always live in a state of forgiving everybody for everything they do and everything they're going to do. It's a state. Paul said, live in an experiential state where you, are, you have so much kindness and so much love that you're always forgiving everyone as they do something and before they do something because you have a state of forgiveness already established through the forgiveness of God's tender-hearted kindness. How many understand that? In other words, tonight, do you realize tonight that Jesus has forgiven you for the sins you'll commit tomorrow. You see, he lives in a state of forgiveness towards you because he's tender-hearted towards you. He senses your needs. He's kind towards you. He doesn't want to embarrass you. He doesn't want to frustrate you. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to build you up, to edify you in 1 Peter 2, 5 and 1 Corinthians 14, 19. He wants to love you personally in 1 Corinthians 13 and then he wants to shed it abroad in your heart in Romans 5, 5. He wants you to have the perfect peace of Isaiah 26.3. See, Jesus all the time has an attitude of forgiveness toward us. He would have to or he couldn't fellowship with us, folks, because we still have a sin nature. We still have a sin nature. So he has to or he couldn't fellowship with us. You see, he has a state of forgiveness. So there isn't a single thing that we do that takes him by surprise. There isn't a single thing we do that he doesn't forgive if we're Christians, if we're born again, if we're saved. He, ex he has expressed an eternal state of forgiveness toward us, and he forgets and forgives all the time. And the most that our terrible sin does is break temporal fellowship and grieve his spirit and wound his love so that he can't fellowship with us until we deal with our willful sins. But nevertheless, he has still forgiven us, and he lives in a state of forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful? As I go out here tonight, God has, a, has expressed a state of forgiveness toward me. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Father said, I will. And in the Greek, that meant forgive them for everything they're ever going to do. And the Father said, through you, my son, and your blood, I will do that. And so, the rest of our life, now tomorrow, he's already forgiven me. Wednesday, he's already forgiven me. That's why I love him. That's why I can worship. That's why I can praise him. He's expressed an eternal is state of forgiveness and forgetfulness toward my sins. If I sin, it'll grieve him. It'll wound his love. It'll break our fellowship. And I must rebound in order to have my fellowship restored. But as far as the state of forgiveness in my relationship, as eternal. And isn't it precious? Now, bring it down to tonight. Everybody here has a state of forgiveness. But you see what revival is? It's to have the Lord's mind, the Lord's kindness, the Lord's tenderheartedness, the Lord's forgiveness. And tonight, it means that I forgive you for everything that you're going to do and forget it the second you do it. 
two things involved in the Lord's forgiveness. And I have a state of forgiveness because that's my attitude toward you. Why? Because that's the Lord's attitude toward me. And I can do nothing more to you but to what the Lord has done for me. I can share the Lord's portion with you if that's my portion from the Lord. How many understand it? That's revival, friends. That's really revival. You see, nobody has grudges, no one has resentment, no one has bitterness, no one thinks, has to worry about what somebody's doing. They have a state of forgiveness and a state of forgetfulness, and that's what God has toward you tonight. If you're here and you've never been saved, then you must receive Christ to enter into it. He has paid for your sins. You come as you are and receive Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, why don't you enter into the Lord's portion? If you are, don't take a single thing for granted. Not a single thing. Don't take a single revelation or single thing for granted. Cherish everything. But if you're a Christian tonight, we can live kind. Go out of our way to be kind. Pick out some small children and be kind to them. Pick out some older people and be kind to them. Pick out different kinds of people and be kind to them. And then be tender-hearted. And then always live in the state of forgiveness so that nothing no one can do a single thing that will surprise you because you've already forgiven because you love them because you've been loved and you've already been forgiven. So the Word of God says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com Yes, kindness, graciousness, mercy. It's amazing. And we make a decision in our heart. We've received grace and mercy and we, we say... Maybe we get to a place and we say, I want to be a mercy person. I want to be a grace and mercy person. And when others are pointing the finger and when someone's been publicly stupid or they've hurt us or they've hurt other people and many people are accusing them, maybe my first reaction, I'm annoyed, I'm inconvenienced even, (laughs) which sounds so trivial, but it's so true in life. Something inconveniences us. Ah, how dare they? But then we remember the great grace and mercy that's been poured out on us by people and really by God. And we reflect on the cross and we make a decision to be kind, to remember and and to decide that in the situation to be the grace and mercy person. And there's a capacity that needs to be built in us for that to happen. We need to have received grace and mercy from others, from God. There needs to have been a transformation in our lives at a point in time that's continuing to go on and on. But it is very true that as a spiritual lifestyle, we can choose to be this way. And those choices have great power. It's really amazing. The choice to be merciful and gracious in a situation is one that not everyone has. They don't realize they have those options, we would say, but also they don't have the power, they don't have the mindset to choose that way in a situation. In John 15, 5, 
says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. We abide in Jesus Christ, and there's much that we can do. In John 8, there's a woman caught, it says, in the very act of adultery. Famous passage. Jesus speaks a few words. The whole crowd is convicted and drops their stones. Where are your accusers? There are none. Neither do I condemn you. Oh, what beautiful words. What beautiful words to have. Beautiful words to say. There was only one person in that crowd who had the power to say those words. That was Christ himself. And he's left this world to sit on a throne in heaven, but he's sent his spirit. And although he's left, he's yet he's here, manifested by the spirit of God in us as individuals and in us corporately as a church, as a body, where two or more are gathered together. And we can choose kindness. We can choose mercy. We can choose to be kind people. And it is a choice. It's a pre-planned choice. And it's a choice we make in the situation. But when it's a choice that we make consistently and decide to make it as a lifestyle, it becomes a characteristic of who we are. And it becomes very clear. Options become very clear in situations. And the Spirit has a certain way of dealing with people. God has a certain way of dealing with any individual in any particular situation that we may find ourselves in. And we can find his heart and we can love that person. It says in Romans 13:8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. In 1 Thessalonians 3:12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. The church had the example of the apostles who loved in spite of their suffering, who gave all of themselves, who suffered harsh criticism and backstabbing and all kinds of things, and yet continued to love and invest. And we have been given that great power, the power of kindness, the power to be grace people, to be grace and mercy people. When everyone else is pointing the finger, when people are making accusations, we can afford to be the victim. If, it, if that, if it comes to that, we can afford to be the victim. Inconvenience is no longer a motivation that will spark us into cruelty or criticism, but instead we'll have a different response, the response of love. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So perhaps you've never known this great power, the power of mercy, the power of love, to have the ability to be the gracious one in the, in the incredible, horrible situation, to be the merciful one to the person who doesn't deserve mercy, isn't even asking for mercy, is unrepentant from what they've done. But it's amazing when we have Christ in our hearts and that love is shed abroad by the Spirit of God Our heart overflows with love and we have words that we didn't think we could utter and they pierce through the atmosphere, through the darkness and they transform a person. They transform us as we say them but 
They change the very atmosphere in the midst of a group or with an individual because they're wonderful, beautiful, gracious words that, that were on the heart of God and yet communicated through us. This is a life that you can have, and it begins by receiving Christ as your Savior. You may consider yourself a spiritual person, you may not. You may consider yourself a religious person, or you may be absolutely on the other end of the spectrum, desiring none of those things, but to be free and of your own mind. But when you receive Christ, you'll have the very life and government of God in your life, and the ability to love and care for others in a way that you cannot ever have on your own. In spite of whatever your particular temperament is, you can never have a love like God's love unless you know Jesus is your Savior. So, if you don't know him and you would like to, please pray a prayer. If, this, if you sense the need for this love and you've sensed that this is the communication you've heard really a reality, a divine reality that you want to be in touch with. Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago bearing your sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. All so that you would know him and be in communion with him and not only have a destination, a heavenly destination when you die, but to live a godly life in this world. So let's bow our head, close our eyes. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Save me. I've been cruel. I've been unkind. I've been a critic. I've tried to be fair, maybe. I've tried to be loving. But I don't have what it takes to love like you love to say, neither do I condemn you. I pray you would come into my life, you would save me, you would transform me, that your spirit would fill me and cleanse me, make me yours. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.